Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Now, this is a super exciting episode for us today. We are, of course, here to review the game Settlers of Catan. That, oh, I think God, that right, game was right? so fun to play with. Wait that a is a fun what? game, but I feel like we're, we're actually uh, reviewing the Settlers of Trask instead. Um, Settle- that, I guess that's fair. Um, my mistake, you know, it yeah, was but- my Eris. 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 I don't know. There's something there. These jokes are not working. Chapter 11, the Eris. <laughs> <laughs> that was my attempt. You know what? We're just going to go with it. We're going to do it live. I say run with it. That was uh, fine. No, we, we got a pretty big episode of The Mandalorian today. I am very, very excited to, to talk about it. Uh, you know, not a lot of big Star Wars news this week, uh, aside from just the fact that Lego Star Wars, the holiday special, is coming out in just a couple days. Uh, and this, uh, because uh, Life Day is coming up, so happy, happy Life Day, guys! Happy, yeah, happy Life, Life Day, Day, everybody, and you. Uh, but you know, no, it's, it's it is funny. Yeah. It, this reminds me so much of last year, suddenly, where it was like, oh, there's so many things coming out, but Mandalorian is here, and we only have time really to record an episode a week, and how do we fit everything in at once? Hey, at least we don't have Resistance and Mandalorian and a new movie all happening at the same time. That was probably. The most insane bad. we've been. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I mean, as great as fans, is bad for our schedules. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yeah. But no, no, nice we've, got, we've got plenty of time to talk about this week's episode. Tom? Yeah, boy, what an episode was this. This was Mandalorian Chapter 11, The Heiress, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard and written by John Favreau. In this episode, the Mandalorian braves high seas and meets unexpected allies. Now, first, I've got to say, Bryce Dallas Howard has been getting some very rave reviews on the internet for this uh, episode, and I have got to agree. This was outstanding. Did you guys see the little call-outs she had to her dad? Oh, I, yeah. I, I loved that. I loved, like, just, I thought she did a fantastic job. And, you know, it's hard because the, um, the, the director is sometimes, like, I think all of the episodes have been very well directed, Right. Yes. Uh, and whether Absolutely. or not you enjoy that you love the story is a is an interesting question, right? Some people and fans may quibble about different stories. The story on this one was outstanding, and we'll come to that in mm-hmm. a second. But just like historically, I, I think you know the middle three episodes of last of season one, uh, including Bryce Dallas Howard's episode, were enjoyable. I don't think right. they were as good as the the rest of the season. And so I think sometimes, like if I was going to rank it, I think her episode last season was probably my least favorite of the season. Um, but like, that's no fault of her, right? That's just the episode she got. Uh, and it's the storyline. The episode itself was very well directed. And I, I think they kind of, uh, they threw her a bone this season. Cause boy, did she get an incredible story to direct. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was just very well shot. Uh, I, I, I loved it. This, this, this right now is, is my favorite episode of season three. Right. And the one thing I liked about this, it moved so well, you did not expect it to be a 31-minute episode. No. It was in, out, done. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, no, it was it was really, really, really good. I mean, 
we pick up basically right where we left off last week as the Mandalorian has been doing. I, I really like how it feels very much like a one giant movie, right? It's not even, you know, a couple days later. It's just, you see the, the razor crest still flying, still bar- badly damaged from all of those ice spiders. And like, it's, it's limping to Trask. It barely, barely makes it. And, probably and, shouldn't have. Let's be real. And, no. and, and you could argue it, it really didn't make have. it in some ways, right? They made it to the planet. Uh, <laughs> I, it didn't make it onto the landing pad. That's that's for sure. And that was I, that was, I think, one of the coolest thing about it was trying was making it to the planet and the Razor Crest coming in on the manual entry. And then that was, like I mentioned, the shot for shot mm-hmm. homage to Apollo thirteen that her father Ron Howard directed. I thought that was a really really cool thing to do in there. And the best thing about it is it worked within the story she had. It was not forced. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't kind of we don't get to see those kind of reentries in Star Wars no. very often. Usually it's like, oh yeah, you know, they're I mean, they're obviously in space and they have spaceships and so like they have to deal with this kind of thing. But typically it's a very smooth ride. They just fly right down to the planet and they land and everything's okay. Um and it was really cool. I think the only other instance of this I can I mean there I guess there've been maybe a couple in like uh in the maybe like the Clone Wars or Rebels where you see like the the ship kind of light up a bit more with the uh during reentry but really like revenge of the sith is the big one that comes to mind as the invisible hand is crash landing on coruscant and you actually start to see it you know burn up and they have to come in and uh, try to uh, put out the fire and stuff but like so it was really cool to see that again and i, and I felt made it feel very unique and the fact that it was a shot for shot remake i think was icing on the on the cake yeah, I, I have to say, I really appreciated that entire sequence because you, I was kind of wondering if they were going to do the crash landing or not. And the timing on the the final list into the ocean was just perfect. Yeah. Just that moment of like, oh, they've done, oh, never mind. And it like, it just, I, don't, I the timing out was so perfect. I loved it. And I don't know, I assume that's actually probably on Bryce Dallas Howard's part because I assume that's a directing thing more mm-hmm. than a script thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did an amazing job with it. You know, timing was actually, and, and like different glances. I thought she did a phenomenal job throughout the episode. There were at least uh, probably three or four different moments where there was this comedic timing with different glances or or reactions from characters uh, that was just perfect. It was just, Espe- it was amazing. I was going to say, especially the child sitting there and enjoying the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That, that was just like, oh, come on. So did he enjoy the ride when it got tilted over underwater? And then when that big, really, really cool crane fishes the razor crest out, did he enjoy that the, part of the ride? The AT crane T? That was <laughs> so crane. cool, that design. I love that. Like, So uh, we got to see it really very briefly in Solo, A Star Wars Story. The I very am going to have to go rewatch it because I don't remember that, but that is it's just so right cool. It's right at the beginning on Corellia. The, the, I think it's okay. like OICT Crane Walker, but man, are they cool. Yeah. And seeing it pull the Razor Crest out of the water, mm-hmm. it was awesome. I, man, the Razor Crest is not having a good season, though. So- I no. feel so bad for that ship, and I'm I'm gonna jump ahead to the very end. But like the repairs it gets, gets, oh. and I I use the word repairs with yeah. a massive amount of like I don't I don't think that word means what you think it means. Uh, <laughs> it just it's been so beat up. It like as the ship fan on this show, it really hurts me. Yeah, uh, I mean to be fair, to be fair, the dock worker did say fix it? Question mark. I can make it fly, and so like even he knows it's not exactly. 
fixing it. And then later he's like, I'll fuel it up if it still holds fuel. And that, <laughs> that was that was just that was some of the best little banter in this little first part of the episode, especially like like you just mentioned, if it still holds fuel, just how that was said was just so darn funny. And then what did the Mandalorian expect for a repair job that would cost a thousand credits? Okay. I, I mean, also, okay. Do you, the way they were framing it in the episode, it sounded like they thought it was an expensive repair job or at least a, a decent chunk of change. And yeah. I mean, that's true. But like that ship was, it was not in good condition. Oh no. Oh no. I mean, pieces were falling off as it was re-entering the atmosphere. And then we'll see it later again when it leaves the atmosphere. Oh, I, I love that. Seeing it like fall apart as it like, jumps into space yeah, like at the very end of the episode it jumps into hyperspace and like a part still flies off mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. it's just so well done it's so it, great did, did we get a new uh, a new swear word in star wars because i i thought yes. that was something different thank fair i thought that was a name yeah i thought that was a name or something yeah no it's a swear word it happened twice okay yeah we got twice oh it did i, 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 I least totally missed that maybe it was last maybe season, i was but... just I didn't understand what the yeah. the word was. Yeah, I heard it the first time. I missed it the second time. So the first time when it was mentioned, I swear I thought it was a name. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of things that don't have names, though. Uh, yeah. So Frog Frog Lady, I like how she, she was reunited with her husband, uh, Frog Man. Um, and I, I really wish they had better names. Like, they... That's it. Something will come Just, up pretty soon. You know, I, I really appreciate friend of the show. Mark Newbold uh, was was he tweeted, uh, you know, that he was talking about on Twitter how they they need names. And so, um, you know, he 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 he's decided that Frog Lady is a ribbit. That's her species name. Ribbit from the planet Froger. And uh, that Frogman's name must be named Kumit. <laughs> to which I added that I think Frog Lady is um miss p gee oh god so uh, <sighs> bad william no no oh god william it's got two eyes at the end you know m-i-s-p-m-i-s-e-p-i-i and then g-h-e-e so you know unless you're oh, unless you're saying it right you'd never know <laughs> oh man that hurts that really does hurt uh but you know at least we got a at least we got a somewhat touching reunion uh between them even though like we haven't like i didn't really care about our character that much it was still nice to see him reunited uh and we got you know a, d- a decent amount more of those of the characters throughout the episode as they mm. babysat uh the child and the nice thing about this the child did not eat any more eggs <laughs> that's That'll true make a few people happy <laughs> i like how mando is like you know, I want you to be respectful and mind your manners. You know what I'm talking right. about. And, yeah. and the, well, but, but the other thing I thought was pretty cool, I know we're, we're kind of really, really jumping. But what I really loved is when when the child saw the egg actually hatch mm-hmm. and that look of like respect and joy on his face. I mean, that now you're just kind of like, OK, oh, I get it. These are not food. They are friends. Oh, that's what happens. I couldn't decide if he was like he thought he thought the polywog was his friend or if he still oh, but, wanted to eat it. But you know. okay, but wait a minute. At the end, I know we're jumping again, but the Mandalorian did sit there and say, "I've got enough pets." Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so but I think that was more a reference to uh, like, we're jumping everywhere. But the Corin, I believe, referred like referred to the child as a pet. Well, yeah. Anyway, but bring it back. I just bring it back. Yeah. One thing actually we did mention last week though, before we we, we continue on with the episode, uh, we didn't actually mention that Frog Lady or uh, Miss Piggy uh is yeah, uh is william it's not a thing yeah, yeah don't sorry don't. continue please don't but is not is, a thing. is voiced by d bradley baker and it, you know i love d bradley baker's work he's amazing he makes the weirdest creature sound effects of course the voice of all the clone troopers uh in the clone wars and rebels and, and many other characters so I, i'm glad he was able to to play a role in in the show as well mm-hmm. so what did you guys think of the planet trask once the Mandalorian landed and started going through the whole little fisherman vill- village, I thought it was pretty cool to see the Mon Calamari and corn everywhere. But what did you guys feel of that whole atmosphere that was given to the the, the shipyard, I guess? I'll just say, this is what the Mandalorian continues to do really well, bouncing between things like Tatooine, a very well-established Star Wars world, and kind of expanding it a little bit. And then something like this episode, where you, we get Trask, which is... Uh, you get to see a little bit of the kind of seedier underworld style of, um, you know, the Star Wars galaxy. This is clearly not like a Mon Calamari or, you know, a planet that has a lot of, uh, I don't, wealth isn't the right word, but you understand, like not as well yeah. developed, but it's, it feels very Star Wars. Like you get this awesome kind of port city, you get the planet being populated by Mon Calamari and Corin, and it's not even explicitly called out. It's something that's just Again, as Star Wars fans, we understand, like, ah, Mon Calamari and Korra, and those are, like, the <laughs> the fish people right. of the Star Wars universe. And so, of course, right. it would make sense to us that they're the ones who are predominantly on this water-based planet. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of cool to see, like, an actual sailing ship within Star Wars mm-hmm. that's manned by the same kind of Mon Calamari. This, this was Korra, but it, it, it felt right, and that was really, really cool about yeah, it. Yeah, you don't really get to see many, like you know, uh, uh, water-based ships in Star Wars. So it was really cool. I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a cool, it was a cool aesthetic. I, 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 it's neat to see the Mon Calamari in the core. And like, I, you know, this is, I almost wonder if it in some ways like a colony of Mon, Mon, Mon Cala or something. Um, uh, it's not in the same system. This is, you know, old, orbiting the, the gas giant Coliden, but um, it's not, I got the impression it's not too far from Tatooine, but I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, really it cool. can't be that far because the ship made it there at sublight speed, sublight, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so okay. oh, that, really... that definitely limits uh... how far they can go. Unless exactly. Mando is now like, you know, much, much older. Um, uh, But, you know, I, I actually like that now that we're on a we're on a, a and I don't know if they'd plan this or if it just happened to work this way. But now that they're on a planet where, you know, Mon Calamari live. Uh, you know, the Mandalorian was able to actually pay for this information that he gets using the calamari flan that Grief Karga gave him in in Chapter One last season. Oh, I totally missed yeah. that. that. I is had a feeling a cool that was detail. something. It's really cool. It's I I like. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. It's just it, my guess is it probably wasn't by design, but I don't know. It was. It, it's a nice touch. It's a really nice I, touch. I bet you it was intentional. Well, put it this way. What if I have always said, if you call attention to something, you're going to use it at some point. Well, he was given this in the first episode. I mean, the first season. And where does it work best? 
right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they, they go to an inn to get some information. The uh, frogman points, he basically takes Mandalorian to, to an inn and connects him with this, the server there uh, to, so they can get some, some info and uh, uh, introduces him to a, the server introduces him to a Corrin who uh, offers to take him on a ship a few hours away to, to meet the, the Mandalorians. Um, and, you know, I think it was, it, it was, it was cool. I, I like, I liked, again, I liked seeing the, the Mon Calamari and the Corrin. I thought at times they were a bit hard to understand. The server was fine. Some yeah. of the Corrin were a little uh, watery, um, you know, or bubbly. Yeah. Uh, but overall I, I liked it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and we get the you know the, the nice scene. I don't know if it's nice, but the the nice scene in the in the inn where the child tries to eat the oh, nasty chowder. Now that was something oh. when 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 the thing came out and hit him in the face. That was something I expected in the last episode when he went over to the egg, that first spider egg, mm-hmm. and it opened up. That did have uh, callbacks to if everybody remembers the movie Aliens. That was like a first callback to something like that. At least we got the joke here. Because it paid off with the Mandalorian say, don't play with your food. I will say, when that first shot where you see the suit move a little bit, I assume that was the child. I assume it was oh. like a joke about like the child not being able to like use a spoon and was going to mm-hmm. use the, the force in some way to affect oh, the suit. So I was <laughs> I was a little surprised when, you know, that was very clearly not the case. You know, I was it was funny because I was just watching it. My fiance was like, uh, we were watching it together and, and she said, uh, she asked like is there something in there and i was like no 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 like it's just like sloshing because he just put the bowl down i totally thought it was it was just like moving because it hadn't quite settled yet and then the the squid jumps out and i was like well i guess you were right like nasty oh not my uh not my favorite type of chowder i guess Um, yeah i did really appreciate that uh the mandalorian's response is not concern just uh don't stop playing with your food come on yeah, exactly yeah. exactly apparently this is a normal thing in the star wars universe which is a little concerning to me yeah it, it kind yeah. of plays out later at the end too oh the even even later we see that uh yeah we we see uh, uh Koska like slurping the pentacle <sighs> just ugh, okay i'm, I'm uh, not, but uh but you know what one thing that's funny that i want to call it in that in this scene before we move on I don't know if you guys noticed. I, I didn't catch this till my second viewing, but like somehow, so they they walk into the into the inn, and uh, and the Mandalorian standing there, flanked by the two frog people, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the ribbits, and um, uh, I'm gonna make this the thing, Mark. Uh, Please, don't. And, uh, Please don't. Please don't. Don't uh, don't don't do it. And, and you know the the frogman uh, uh, Kubit introduces. Uh, I'm gonna stop. Sorry. Uh, the frogman introduces um, uh, the Mandalorian to the the uh, the Mon Calamari server, and this all happens in the span of like one camera shot and just like I don't know five seconds, right? It's very mm-hmm. fast. But when you walk in, I, I didn't see I didn't see the child anywhere in the door frame or, or coming through the door. He wasn't being held by the Mandalorian or whatever. And then the server says, you know you know, take a seat right here and the camera pans and the Mandalorian walks and sits down at the table and the child's already sitting there. <laughs> I'm like, how I caught the that heck, on the second viewing. How the heck did he get there already? You know what? The child was hungry because it was referenced a couple times yeah. that he was just like, you know, hungry. So what do you see? You've got a table. Boom. 
he went straight to the table like any child would be if they're hungry. Yeah, yeah. Seems like he wanted to play with his food really quick. So, okay, so Tom. Yes. The, we, we meet the Quarren there, and he takes them on the fishing ship. Mm-hmm. And we get to see more of, like, fishing and stuff. What did you think throughout this whole scene? Well, I had a feeling on the second viewing that it definitely was a setup, but I don't think it was a setup by the Mon Cal. It was definitely set up by the Quarren. That, yeah, you know, I there the Culver's like, couple hours away i i can take you to him you know yeah let me do that and then he gets him on the boat and then he sits there and says hey you know what have you ever seen uh, a mamacore eat then you're looking at it going something's going on here and especially when he takes the knocks the child inside the little feeding area for the mamacore and then he gets the mandalorian and pushes him in so the thing that found i found surprising about it is everybody's after the Beskar armor. Cause that was the one thing where they're just like sitting there poking at him and they're just like, Hey, we're going to get money off the Beskar. Yeah. We're going to get money off the Beskar. And you're like, okay. That was the last thing I was expecting. I don't know about you, Steven, like knocking in, knocking the, the, the child into the, into the holding tank. I was, that was the last thing I was expecting to happen. So I, I actually kind of like jumped a little bit when, <laughs> yeah, when he knocked. I did in. as well, and I it took me a moment to realize what was actually happening. Like my first really? assumption was they were. Well, I I wasn't sure if like if they were fishing or if it was meant to be a joke mm-hmm. or like what exactly was going on. And it, I mean, it, not that that sensation lasted very long, but I was definitely surprised by the kind of uh, quick and brutal turnaround that. Uh, these quarantine enacted, you know, like it was just oh. up uh, and time for the Beskar. That is what we're here for. Oh. And the Mamacore like jumps out and just like swallows the child. And just, oh, well, oh. at least he was able to, it was either the Mandalorian or the child was able to put, uh, close himself in to be a little bit of a cocoon. So that right. was cool. But he, he did survive, but like, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, well, the pram, definitely didn't, survived. but yeah, uh, I mean, I knew he would never die, I'd, but but still, like the shot and everything, it was it was very surprising. And then you know, the Mandalorian jumps in; they they lock him in. I I, I don't know. I thought maybe he was going to escape or something, but I guess he was I, drowning. I I, I wasn't I, super clear. Well, I we, thought so too. I thought he was going to be able to escape, but if he did escape, it didn't set up what was happening next. Okay, we didn't talk about I or at least I don't remember us talking about the when he you know as we're getting the frog lady and frog man reunion we get the the shot from the trailer of the mysterious woman watching the mandalorian mm-hmm. uh that's true which you know obviously is a teaser for this scene which is uh i don't know at some well, how, how would you describe, describe it? it so this is historic it's, it's historic, <laughs> historic might be the word actually um or cool oh both don't get me wrong but i mean this is I think this is, isn't this the first time we've had uh, an animation character show up in such a major way in live action? That's you know, I didn't think about that. I, th- I think you're right. Like, I think it's always been reversed. It's always been live action to animation. You might be right. Yeah. I, like, I'm trying to remember if there's been any other, like, you could kind of argue like, ah, the, the retcon of Rex into episode six. No. Doesn't really count. No. Kind of, but like, this is... Not this- not, the not one and only 
Bo-Katan <sighs> in the non-animated flesh. And she and looked the... perfect. Like, and... it looked like she ahead. stepped right, off the, right out of the Clone Wars or Rebels, but in live-action form. And the best thing about it was, it was Katie Sackhoff. Oh, it was great, which See, explains why she tweeted on, you know, earlier this week, can't wait for Friday. Like, it wasn't like, or can't wait for the week to end. Like, she was dropping hints, and, uh, oh, man, I I was, I, we've been rumored for a long time, but actually seeing Bo-Katan in The Mandalorian live on screen, it, yeah. it was great. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And and I just I love how it's like they end up sitting there saving the day. They take out all the corn and the deck crew, and then you have you have Bo Katan sit there, reach down in Mandalorian, just say, "Take my hand," and just pulls him out of the water. And then it's just like, okay, somebody's got to save the child. Well, so, and it's the sorry when she pulls Mando out the first time when she says, "Take my hand," that's really the first time you get a really good glimpse of her helmet. Oh, absolutely. With the of her, you know, with the with the night owl insignia and everything and it's just it looks so good there were multiple times i had to stop myself and be like is this just a really 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 good like animation quality of like the clone wars or rebels or is it live action like it not 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 to knock the live action just how faithful of a recreation it was yeah Um, it's it's really amazing and like the other thing i really appreciate is we have the other two mandalorians as well Mm -hmm. koska and axe and they both also have different styles of helmets and armor as well. Axe has that, what I'd call the more traditional Mandalorian helmet, kind of mm-hmm. in the Boba Fett uh, style. Um, Costa, or sorry, Koska has the armor in the style. I think I'm getting those two right. Yep, right? That's right. Yep. yep okay. Yep. Go ahead. Cool. Just making sure. Uh, <laughs> Koska had the uh, Night Owl kind of more curved uh, visor, is I guess the right way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just. That they all looked so good, and it, it was so cool. But it was also very interesting to see that when the three of them pulled—well, actually, when Bo-Katan pulled off the helmet first, <laughs> the Mandalorian reaction. His first thing is, "Where did you get the armor?" And it was the same thing like he did with the sheriff. It's like, "Where did you get the armor?" But I just love how she sat well, there. Go ahead. No, no, go uh, ahead. This, go this ahead. opens up a question I think that a lot of we we've kind of pondered through. And I, I wouldn't say the answer was that surprising, but the obviously the Mandalorian is a strong believer in you you do not remove your your helmet right. for any reason. Uh, of course, in every previous kind of iteration of Mandalorians, that's that's never been a thing. Um and certainly Bo-Katan and Clone Wars and Rebels didn't ever have that restriction. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the question has been, of course why what it what is the reasoning behind this and i i loved that the mandalorian a was we'll just find a moment is from a uh a religious kind of spin-off that has a much more strict uh practicing of mandalorian re- mm-hmm. uh, religion's not even the right way but like the mandalorian Culture. way i guess yeah. the mandalorian code code way would yeah well it have to be this is the way so it'd have to be the mandalorian way <laughs> yeah that ma- that does make yeah. sense um, and it just, it's why I love that question is it's the Mandalorian's perspective, of course, is you've taken off your helmet. Therefore you are not a Mandalorian. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's been raised at. Uh, you know, he, right. he hasn't seen the other Mandalorians. He probably thinks all Mandalorians are, are the same. 
Mm. You know, and I think that's one of the things I loved most about this episode is that it brought so much more depth to the Mandalorian culture, right? Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, taking a step back, like in Clone Wars, uh, for those who haven't seen it, um, I highly recommend you you go watch it. But in Clone Wars, I, it shocked all of us by the portrayal of of Mandalorians being pacifists, right? Because we're like, Ooh. oh no, they're 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 Ooh. warriors. Uh, I know Tom, you felt uh, very strongly yeah. about this, um, you know. And we we later discovered like this was kind of a passing fad. Satine, Bo-Katan's sister, was trying to to make the Mandalorians more peaceful, and and this this splinter group, um, a terrorist group in many ways, Death Watch, uh, uh, kind of formed to try to bring ma- the Mandalorians back to their warrior ways. Mm. Um, and at first that was very surprising, and, but then we kind of we all kind of grew used to it, and we're like, okay, we, we got it, we got it. And then we start watching The Mandalorian, this news show, and all of a sudden, like, they're not pacifists anymore. They're definitely warriors. And yep. but now they're in hiding. They can't show their face. They can right. never take off their helmets. They are talking about like this is the way and what is the way exactly? You know, we we There's we, this concept of coverts, which we've yep. never heard right. of. Right. And all this is brand new. And we're like, what the heck is this? Like they're all in hiding. This isn't the Mandalorians we know of. But what also happened remember, to them? I, th- there's something else too. If I remember correct, the the weaponer said they're also hunted, and I think this episode kind of did the did the same thing. They're hunted because those corn wanted the Beskar. They're hunted for the armor, and that's I think the funniest thing, not the funniest, but the most interesting thing is that's the first question the Mandalorian is asked to somebody who he has seen with the armor on. Where did you get the armor? And the best thing, and I loved. Please go watch Star Wars Rebels uh, and and Clone Wars to understand this. When Bo-Katan sits there and says, "This armor has been in my family for centuries," yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because you know he he doesn't believe, and, and so this, this and this is where I think that it gets so interesting is all of a sudden the Mandalorian he believes that he is a true Mandalorian, right? Even right. just two episodes ago, uh, you know he as you said earlier he was so upset when he saw this this poser um, who has taken Boba Fett's armor and is wearing Mandalorian armor and is taking off his helmet. And then all of a sudden he sees these Mandalorians take off their helmet. And his first thought is you're not real. You guys, you guys are fake. Right. And you could see that like the acting was so good. You could see that in them. And Mm -hmm. then as Bo-Katan starts to explain, no, 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 I've been a Mandalorian forever. Like I was born on Mandalore. I fought in the purge. Right. Right. Like, she starts to explain all this, and you can kind of see the gears turning in in, in Din Djarin's head. Like, wait, what? You're you're right. a real Mandalorian, but you don't follow any of these these any of these culture. You don't follow the you don't follow the way. You don't follow the, all the rules. And and conversely, like Katie Sackhoff did an amazing job of oh, like God, so good. Pretend, you know, acting like almost like um, she almost felt bad for him. And someone she's yeah. like, oh, you're one of those, or you're yeah, one of because, them. Be, yeah, because th- th- that was the one thing. I think it was it was Axe who sat there and said, you know, it, it was almost like under the breath. He's like, he he's one of the Watch. Uh-huh. Now that's the biggest question. If he's one of the Watch, is that a reference to? And they're not saying the the shall not be named Death Watch. So they shortened it because that's the other thing. If if it ever gets out that technically they are part of the Watch, if we ever see which. I'm saying if as a big if, no, small if, because I'm pretty sure we'll see her again. Will Bo-Katan go so far as saying, trying to tell Din Dejar- uh, uh, Dejarin that, 
I was part of Death Watch. Mm-hmm. I ended up leaving Death Watch. I, I assume it's a different watch. It, really? Really? I, really? I think if it was actually Death Watch, they would have said Death Watch. Not to mention, I, I think it's confusing because then when we're in this weird place where now we have to explain why the Death Watch have different factions that have this kind of belief around the helmet. I kind of took... Ah, interesting. Go ahead. So I kind of took it as... So in, in Clone Wars, I guess let's let's do a quick, a, a quick backstory for those who have not seen Clone Wars Rebels. In the Clone Wars, uh, we can't talk about the Mandalorians are, are peaceful. There's a splinter group, Death Watch, that breaks off. They're led by uh, Pre Vizsla, who has the dark saber. Um, the and the, the the ruler of Mandalore, the, the pacifist, is Bo-Katan's sister Satine. Bo-Katan, for her part, is actually part of Death Watch, and working with Pre Vizsla. But she um, uh, eventually Pre Vizsla teams up with Darth Maul and. Uh, and Bo-Katan realizes that Death Watch isn't isn't a good group anymore, and she she kind of basically helps uh, side against she 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 goes up against them and and helps her sister and um and and tries to to free Mandalore. Satine is is eventually killed, and uh, Bo-Katan uh, uh, kind of she she kind of leads the the charge. And as we see in the Clone Wars, um. You know, eventually, uh, eventually, like Darth Maul gets the, he gets the dark saber in Rebels. The uh, he, um, the dark saber ends up getting passed on to uh, uh, Sabine Wren, uh, who are herself a Mandalorian, whose mother was uh, um, uh, 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 Mandalorian clan leader Ursa as Wren. well, Ursa Wren. Yeah, uh, and so she, so Sabine gets the dark saber from Maul's lair. And then eventually hands it off to Bo-Katan saying, you should go and, and, and lead Mandalore. And that's kind of where we left it, right? So Bo-Katan is basically trying to lead Mandalore now. She has the Darksaber. Um, and the, the Mandalorians are, are, are no longer pacifists, but they're not Death Watch. They're not the, the terrorist organization either, which is effectively uh, uh, eliminated. Um, as far as we, we know. Uh, yeah. Now, at some point... Uh, at some point, Moff Gideon is on Mandalore. He takes the dark saber, and and now uh, uh, Bo-Katan is is searching for it. So that, that that's a very brief primer that kind of catches you up to where we are. We are now. What's not clear to me though is like is is the watch is the watch they, which is shortened to the watch. But at one point they say Din Djarin is a child of the watch, or that he is mm-hmm. you know part of the children of the watch. So. Um, you know, I'm not sure if that's a formal name, or the Child of the Watch, or if it's it's just a reference to Death Watch. And maybe they were, they were like, well, now that now that Mandalore is has been like retaken by the well, it was it was retaken by the Republic and the Mandalorians, and they fought off Darth Maul's army, and uh, but eventually, like you know, right after that, Order sixty six happens, all the clones uh, turn, and effectively, it becomes Mandalore becomes under the control of the Empire. Well, it also um, sounds like if I if I remember in the episode correct, it was mentioned Mandalore's a waste. Yeah, I think uh, Din Din Djarin sat there and said that it, it's a waste. It's like, why do you want to go back and retake that planet? And you have you know, Katie said, Bo-Katan sitting there and say, you know, in so many words, that's our home. You know, and also she did kind of hint, don't believe what you hear. Right. 
it honestly one of my biggest complaints for this episode in some ways was it i felt like we were teased with a story that in some ways would be i is more interesting to me like mm-hmm. i would Bo-Katan's, uh, you know, journey to reclaim Mandalore sounds like right. an awesome premise for a show or a book or movie that I want to watch. Okay, but, uh, okay, and I do not have the ability to do that right now because they have not made it apparently. <laughs> okay, but but th- but th- think of it this way. Okay, and, and I know we're jumping all over the place, but but if if what we have heard within this episode, and we'll get to that because there was a name dropped. If that is true. And the child goes with the quote unquote name drop, then what are they going to do for the rest of the season? I seriously think it's going to be like Caesar Mandalore part two, man. Let's go. I mean, look who's writing this. It's John Favreau and it's Dave Filoni. So you think John try Favreau, to re- John Favreau is Mandalore. That's your theory. I, I, Interesting. I think <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm not calling it, but I seriously believe at some point we are going to see something about a Mandalorian battle on Mandalore. It's, it's very possible. I mean, she does hint like, you're welcome to join me. Yeah. Uh, you're always welcome to join me. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, very interesting. You know, I, there's a lot that Bo-Katan has not revealed. Like she used to be a member of death watch and right. we saw the death watch insignia on the armor of the Mandalorians who rescued Din Djarin, uh last season. So like, we know Din Djarin is part of Death Watch, or at least they have the exact same insignia. Oh, I missed that. Interesting. And so, like, to me, the question is, like, did Death Watch decide to evolve? And, you know, maybe when Din Djarin was very young, right after the Clone Wars, decide, okay, it's time to go into hiding. We got to, um, we got to, you know, uh, change our ways. Nobody takes off the helmet. Let's bring back the ways of the, of the, of the, of the Mandalore, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, or, or or are they like a splinter group of Death Watch? I personally think that maybe they're like, yeah, Death Watch sounds kind of sounds kind of <laughs> ominous. Maybe we're just Child of the Watch. You know, sounds 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 nicer, more friendly. Time to rebrand. Yeah. Well, also also rem- remember, I think when Rogue One came out, we used to call them Death Troopers, mm-hmm. and now I think they kind of they're they're trying to smooth over that name, if if I remember. So, yeah, I, I could see them just now evolving into the watch or something. Yeah. But, you know, either way, um, I just love the dynamic because now all of a sudden Din Djarin is faced with these. He thinks he's a real Mandalorian. And he's kind of like, you know, kind of uh, well, pretentious about it. Right. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. I, I, say I'm, the least. I'm yeah. a Mandalorian. I know the culture. This is the this is the way. Uh, no pun intended uh, you, that you be a Mandalore and a Mandalorian. And if you're wearing the armor and you're not, you're not, you're taking your helmet off or you're, you're whatnot, like that's, you're not, you're not real. And all of a sudden he's now being faced with, wait, there are these people who are actually Mandalorians. Like he, he, right. he realizes Bo-Katan is the leader of Mandalore, the rightful leader of Mandalore. Um, She claims she's the rightful leader. Okay, she claims she right. is. And she we, says, or, go ahead. Last we Sorry. saw she was. Right. Well, sorry. I mean, from the Mandalorian's perspective, sure. I right. I don't know that he has the the tools available to him to assess her claim or not. Mm-hmm. That that's fair. That's fair. But right, the fact that they are Mandalorians, she claims all of this stuff that she she claims to be a real Mandalorian, um, but has a very different way uh, of doing things. I, I almost wonder, like, if it'll set up this crisis in some ways for Din Djarin. Like, how how is he going to deal with this? 
he's already his first reaction is just to walk away. Like they saved him and he just jetpacks off. It's like I don't want to talk to you. Um well, I don't he, know. he kind of jetpacks off because he's got a mission going on. He's got to get the child to the Jedi. Yes. But like he didn't even give a chance for the to get for them to give the information. He just he's so upset. He just leaves. Yeah. So I I think you're asking the right question, William, and I think it's going to come down to what happens in the next episode. Yeah. Thus far, the Mandalorian the show has been, uh, in some ways, side quest of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on a journey. I will deliver this child to the Jedi. And then each week, something happens that forces him to uh, diverge from his mission. Um, the question, and this is, in some ways, I, this is like a Dave Filoni thing in many ways. Does he now get pulled into a larger story beyond just what has been happening thus far? Right. We've seen like Rebels was a good example of this. Season one is very, very contained to the rebellion on Lothal. And it is followed very quickly by, oh, now we're getting to we're talking about the entire rebellion now. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the foundation of the entire rebellion, the Galactic Alliance. Right. Uh, Sorry, Galactic Rebellion, whatever. I forget what you know what I'm talking about. So I, <laughs> I, I think the Mandalorian's gonna be faced with a choice in what happens next. Mm-hmm. And I hope, as Dave Filoni, I I trust you to do this, but I hope the answer is he'll be pulled. It's not just Dave Filoni, I should say. It's also John Favreau mm-hmm. to pull bring pull him into a larger story. And whether that's the reclaiming of Mandalore, like that seems like an obvious one that would be fantastic, and it could or it could be something else. Mm-hmm. I I think they're setting up that bigger story because, okay, so, so you have Bo-Katan with, with the other three talk, you know, uh, uh, Din Djarin into helping them go and attack an Imperial freighter. Okay. Because on that freighter, there's a bunch of weapons. All right. And she even told the captain of that freighter that if these weapons get into our hands, look at what the Mandalorians can do with these weapons. So you can see there's a bigger story being set up when it comes to the Mandalorians Mm -hmm. and he's going to, and that's why I'm sitting there thinking that, that he's, he's got the person he's got to deliver the child to. Okay. Where can they go with that story because of where it's fitting within this timeline of where the show happens, what happened, you know, at the, the end of, um, um, Jedi, going into you know whatever it would be easier to do a sidestep into a full-on seizure mandalore part two mm-hmm. because how are you going to shoehorn this into a whole jedi you know storyline that has to go right up to you know the force awakens yeah you know that's a that's a, that's a really good point tom like looking at where they go and where they take this story so the the big the big the big reveal uh, I would say in this in this episode, it, arguably bigger than Bo-Katan. Uh, Not arguably. Yeah, it okay, is. it's I'm definitely sorry, bigger. I, I've been dancing around the names. So right, we've been dancing around for a while. Go ahead and say like Bo-Katan at the end re- reveals, and she straight up says like it, there wasn't a hint. It wasn't a, like oh she just, like she steps off on screen right. Bo-Katan straight up says, "I know where a Jedi is. She's on. She's in the city of Caladan on the forest planet of Corvus, and her name is Ahsoka Tano." Like. Ahsoka confirmed it's yeah. happening. And that's where the Mandalorian's going next. Like that's his next mission. So 
we we should get into you know we should talk more about Ahsoka. Like that's huge. I, I'm so so well, excited. We should, it's actually happening. We should we should talk about that toward the end because we've got to get into like one right. of the the but, coolest battles in this whole thing. Oh yes, yes. But the I think the 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 salient point right now for for our, this discussion is, um, you know, we're okay. So the Mandalorian now knows Ahsoka's exact location, right? Yeah. And I suspect yep. we'll probably get another episode before he hits he reaches Ahsoka. Uh, I get. I guess is it'll be in two episodes, um, chapter thirteen. The reason for that, reasonable. yeah. One, it kind of fits the show's style, and two, Dave Filoni is directing the fifth episode of the season. Right, and and also also I have a feeling that I'm not saying that the planet that Bo-Katan gave him is a red herring. I think that she probably something happened to chase her off that planet because it is going to be very. It's going to be too easy for her to show up in the next episode way too easy right and you know maybe he goes to corvus and realizes she's not there maybe he right. gets stopped along the way and he does make it to corvus in two episodes i think the fact that dave filoni is directing the fifth episode means dave filoni is going to direct the episode where ahsoka shows up that's Which my I think prediction would totally make sense um yeah. uh here hang on i'm gonna also make a bold claim uh, uh-huh. boba fett's next episode wow because I, I and i i i 100 agree both on Dave Filoni directing and just the style of the show. And I think what better way to like, when else would you throw Boba Fett in? He's we've, he's been teased. They're going to follow up on that. They have to. Mm. And why not do it while everyone is focused on Ahsoka showing up? Okay. That's, that's, I like that theory. I like that theory a lot, especially because then, so Ahsoka shows up in, in, in chapter five, right? Sorry. Episode five of the season, chapter 13. Uh, Episode, I'm going to say episodes right now, even though we technically call them chapters, because I think it makes it easier just to keep track of in, the, in our heads. Right. There's only eight episodes of the season. So chapter five, or episode five, Ahsoka shows up. You only have three episodes after that, six, seven, and eight. And they're going to have to pay off the Darksaber. They're going to have to pay off Moff Gideon. There's a lot that's happening in Will those they? last three episodes. I Well, I mean, they don't well, necessarily no, resolve it. No, but no, well, well, you got to look at it this way. Supposedly, there is going to be a third supposedly there is a third season oh there is that, okay they've confirmed it nah, but, but well, well we will I, get more like the thing is they have to give us more of each character that we wanted to see well yes i do agree we're going to see right. gideon again i do agree we're going to see the dark saber again um i just i get this feeling because and you're talking about dave filoni you know directing chapter 13 which is a natural progression for him to introduce Sokotano. i think it was perfect for favreau to introduce Bo-Katan in this episode because he was previously and I think that's the biggest thing about this is he's he played a Mandalorian and for me that's one thing I'm liking about this because he's got he's playing in a, an area to where he was a Mandalorian of you know voicing previously Mandalorian so it kind of made sense that he's the well, one that introduced Bo-Katan well, here. I mean well Bryce Dallas Howard is the one who introduced yeah well but yeah, yeah John I, Favreau wrote he, all he the episodes. Wrote the episode. but, I'm sorry, he wrote the episode. I think yeah. that was, ah, fair. Okay. Yeah. But but yeah, he wrote so, the episode. But my point though is like there's there's only three episodes left after that. And I think they're gonna be use those for other things. So your your theory, Steven, with Boba Fett being next episode while everyone's distracted with Ahsoka, I think is is a great one. I love it. I think it I think it's a strong I think it's a strong theory. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. But but okay, so but then episode five, he meets so he meet, finally meets up with Ahsoka. I think it's going to have to happen because it's Dave Filoni's episode. Um, I don't think they're going to they're going to hold it off and keep teasing it. Um, but even if it's at the end of the season, so what happens? 
he's finally met the Jedi. It, the, the, the search for the Jedi is not going to yeah, take but, as long as we, we thought. So either he keeps he doesn't meet the Jedi. Ahsoka does not consider herself to be a Jedi. See, that's well, the other thing, too. Yes, exactly. So that, that dovetails in perfectly what I was, what my, what I was about to say. I meant to do that. Thank you. Uh, Ahsoka doesn't consider herself a Jedi. So I doubt at this point, because she's left the Jedi after the Clone Wars, right? I doubt she is going to want to train the child or take the child. I think at that point, my theory is she says, you you guys are developing this great relationship. He's yours. Right. And then what does he do next? Right. Does he try to train the child or does he just like, I think he just at that point keeps the child with him. And I think it's, he's his quest right now is to take the child to his family. And I think he's along the way developing this attachment to the child. He's not going to want to give it up. And he, Ahsoka is not going to want to take him. That's my theory. And then I think that te- that then allows him to go join the Mandalorians and retake Mandalore with the child by his side. My my only issue with that is I feel like that's mm. very similar to where we started season one. Season one, he gives up the child and de- decides he's attached to it. And then like, there's the whole kind of first arc is about him choosing to stay with it. I just, I I have a little bit of trouble. I think buying. Yeah, yeah but that, now... like that, I I don't feel like the emotional payoff is there. We already feel like he likes the child. Yes, yeah, sorry, not not that he. No, I think it's just he's going to come to the realization that, like, it's not going like he's just going to find the child's family and be like, okay, here you go, bye, right? Which is what he's still assuming he's going to do right now is find the child. He's he's done. He likes the child. But he's going to hand it off, walk off, walk away. He's he's done. I think he's going to realize that's not an option. There's no family for the child at this point. They're all dead. Ahsoka will tell him they're all dead. And sorry, you're his father forever. And I think he'll be happy in some ways. But that frees him up. That His journey is now done. I thought the, the journey to find the Jedi was going to take all season. Mm-hmm. Maybe longer. But I think it's actually going to be over pretty fast. That's my theory. I think it depends on what direction they go. Because yeah, Ahsoka good... could also point towards Luke and have that be the next stage. And we kind of get a... Do you think they... I mean... Episode okay. 7 uh... and 8 redux of, like, going after Luke again. Sorry, you're right. Because, like, this is this is post-Return of the Jedi. Um, Luke's now out there training the Jedi. It's... So maybe he sends... I don't know why I said they're all dead. They're not. Uh... Yeah, it's it's a little bit I weird because just... there's an interesting question of what what like what interaction did Ahsoka and Luke have, if any? That's good. Good question. Yeah. I was going to say that. Um, and like, and if we're going full conspiracy theory, this also gets us into the whole like Ezra Thrawn. Do they make an a- appearance somewhere here and so on? Like there, there are a bunch of different places it could go. I agree that I think Ahsoka and the episodes after are really going to set us up in terms of redirecting our efforts. We're gonna. Season one was about uh, kind of surviving, basically. Right. The initial kind of swarm from the Empire. Season two was about the journey to find the Jedi. And season three, like, they needed to have the journey for season three, whatever I, it's so going I to So I actually... I, I, I think it's going to... I hope it's season Mandalore part two. I might... I really do. I might change that slightly, Stephen, and say, I think we thought season two was going to be about finding the Jedi. I think season two is actually about the Mandalorian coming to terms 
with what real Mandalorians are and, and how, and how the, the larger Mandalorian culture uh, works. That's that's hard. If that's, it it depends if this is the only episode where we get Bo-Katan or not. I think he needs, I don't buy that. This is enough to, it's not just with Bo-Katan though. It's like, it's with like Cobb Vanth, right? He had to deal with that. Boba Fett. He had to have, he will have to deal with that. Okay, never Bo-Katan. mind. So I, I, yeah. I see your point. So I think the journey to find the Jedi is a fake out. They're trying to think it's all about us finding the Jedi, and they're going to kind of wrap it up halfway through the season in in the fifth episode. And it'll be more about how he deals with his own relationship as as, as an identity as a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out the real Jedi was inside us all along. <laughs> That's my theory, at least. <laughs> God. It's all right. I'm done. But yeah. I'm going to go back a little bit into this particular episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mentioned how great it was to see kind of Bo-Katan realized in live action. Uh, that was awesome. I really appreciated it. Uh, I think the thing I appreciated even more was the appearance of the Imperial Gazanti freighter. Of yes. course, made famous <laughs> by Rebels as well. Yes. Um, yes. I, yes. I'm a sucker for ships. And of course, going from an animated intentional cartoon, like stylized ship to the, the Gazanti freighter we see in this episode, just, it is so perfect. How about when the, it was pulling away and you saw that shot of the three engines and the four Mandalorians yep. flying toward oh. it was not that one of the most just, gorgeous pieces of television you have ever seen. And the shot of it taking off and you Feel the weight of its engines pushing yes. out the, the detail on the hole that makes it feel more than like, ah, oh, just a flat panel because oh that's what you get in animation. Just mm-hmm. outstanding. Um, and then you see it bristling with the guns. I mean, that's something that that you really didn't get that kind of reaction to it when you're seeing it in mm-hmm. Rebels. But you see it here totally decked out being live action. My God, that was gorgeous. Just, like, I, again, I'm biased to, towards these sorts of things, but I loved seeing the Gazanti here. Well, and the, the entire sequence of them trying to infiltrate the ship, you know, cause like they're the, the, the freighter has as weapons that they want so they can, they, they need to steal the weapons so that they can use them to retake Mandalore and Bo-Katan can get her thrown back. You know, she says, see the new Mandalore on the throne, but it's, it's her. Um, <laughs> and, and so they attack the ship and like, the entire sequence was just so beautifully shot. It was, I loved the music the action like was amazing. And this is where like, again, they were, they're wearing the armor. So sometimes it was hard to tell, like it just, it looks like it was straight out of the clone wars or rebels, but in live action, but like it looked exactly, exactly like that. Um, You know, it was one of the the best things about the whole fight scene. uh And it was even referenced to by uh, Axe. The stormtrooper still can't hit anything. <laughs> yes, yes, and and they're not very smart. I love no. when the so they get, they get to the they get to the cargo bay, or they're almost there. Like they're they're coming up the elevator, and and, and the suspense is like the Mandalorians are coming up the elevator, and you see the 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 deck officer and the 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 stormtroopers like waiting. Again, beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. He cut. They come out the doors. They're shooting. He's like, close the blast doors. Close the blast doors. Which is very much like. You know, close the lost doors, close the, open the lost doors and, right. you know, A New Hope. I like that. Um, and the, the deck officer is, like, freaking out. And they do manage to close the last door just in time. And, and this is the, one of my favorite moments of the episode is, is when 
uh, aside from like the reveal of, you know, Ahsoka and Bo-Katan and stuff is like the deck officer calls up the captain and he's like, Hey, it, it worked great. I think we trapped him. And the captain's like, where'd you trap him? And he's like in the cargo control area. And the, yeah. the, the expression yeah. on Titus Welliver's face as the captain, like comes this realization, like you idiot. And, and he's like, and where? As soon, as soon as he said that, I knew what was going to happen. Oh, it was great. Yeah. yeah. There was there was uh, actually one joke I thought was lying right, right out. Oh, it was great. And there was one joke I thought that was very funny that that when the Mandalorians are attacking the ship and you see the bridge crew and and you're seeing the the red of uh, you see the outline of the ship and it's flashing red and all of a sudden you hear it's like how how many of them how many of them oh there's ten there's ten and then you see like the pilots sit there and go uh captain i only count like four life forms it's like oh great you're gonna over exaggerate that there's 10 and it's actually four that are attacking you yeah i thought that was hilarious uh i, I honestly this entire sequence the action was was perfect the the dialogue mm-hmm. was was incredible even like you know the captain like threatening to hunt down bogotan because they finally get to the weapons mm-hmm. and She's like, no, I'm going to take over the entire ship. She's like, put some tea on. We'll be up in a minute. It's just love that. Oh, my God. I love brilliant that. writing. Yeah. It was brilliant. Mandalorians and their tea. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing I love that the two guys who are the pilots of the ship watching those guys back and forth. You're talking about acting. You're talking about the captain mm-hmm. when when he hears all that. Just the tension on their faces when they're hearing all this stuff go down, especially when you hear that door fly open. And I think it was the guy in the left seat look on his face like. Oh my God! They got sucked out. Yeah. Well, and and, and the glance they give each other in their final yes. moments, when like Moff Gideon and the hologram of, of of Moff Gideon is talking with the captain, and they they realize it's too late. Like the the Mandalorians have taken over the ship. They tried to escape and get into hyperspace and regroup with the fleet, and it was just they didn't have enough time. Um, and Moff Gideon just says, "You know, it's too late. You know what to do," and the look on like the pilot and the security officer's face as they realize yeah. they have just seconds left to live. And then the captain just shoots them both like, Oh, brilliant acting, brilliant yeah. writing, brilliant directing. Like, oh, I loved it. I loved every yeah. moment of just it. Just total edge of your seat. And the one thing I just, I love, I just totally love is when Bo-Katan is sitting here telling the Mandalorian that we're going to take the bridge. And I love how the Mandalorian is just like, that was not in the plans. And she just says, you know what? Uh, no, he goes, he, he looks at her and says, you're changing the terms of the deal. And she just looks at him and just casually just says, this is the way. <laughs> just, just not, just, just not like this is the way. I mean, just casually. Throws it right back way. at him. Yeah. Right. At in a him, very mocking like, way. Oh. She's clearly like mocking him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. I mean, just my God, just, and then that's the point in which you see everything just go topsy turvy because the captain grabs the ship and he's just aiming it straight for the water. Mm-hmm. And a mad rush to just take, take down the ship with him. Uh, and you know, like, I, I just loved, like I said, the, the entire fight sequence between like smoke grenades and thermal vision, trying to shoot, find the, hit, hit the stormtroopers, you know, in the, in the smoke to, uh, uh, the moment when they're trying to rush for the bridge because they know they don't have much time and they're about to hit the water and the Mandalorian like somehow manages even though like Beskar is pretty pretty strong he still is pretty risky running into the middle of the the room with you know getting hit by blaster fire on every side and 
you know, hoping his best car holds up so he can throw the charges at the door for the stormtroopers and like the blast goes right over his head. Like, oh, it was great. Got a, got a theory about that. Yeah. Do you think the reason why he did it is because compared to the other three, his armor technically was newer compared to theirs? Because remember that when he first got it in first season, it was like, you know, it's it's imperial grade. It's like mm-hmm. it's, it sounded like it was like a, a very fine, never never molded into armor before. This is great, Basker, and maybe that's why he did it because the other three realize they've been in battle, could have been fairly beat up. Even Bo-Katan said, "I've had this, you know, for centuries. This armor's been in my family." Yeah, I think there's an interesting question of you know we know obviously the watch. Uh, is as separate from the rest of the Mandalorians. I wonder if their armor is different and or mm. better than mm. we might see out of other Mandalorians. And they may not have it's, been in as many fights. Think of it that way. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to say. Like we don't have a lot of evidence on. I'd say on that one way or the other. But I'm I'm very curious. Yeah, because the Mandalorian seems to be more or less uh impervious i would say like he did take some i mean he did kind of have a bit toward the end to struggle to it to, to try uh, he gets but, knocked to the ground but he doesn't seem to take any the armor holds yeah yeah and also realize they were imperial stormtroopers like they can hit anything sorry guys so, so, sorry sorry members of the 501st <laughs> so yeah i don't know i don't know like I, I was wondering the same thing. Like, is his armor stronger or something? Because you could tell he was, he was worried about the damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he yeah. he still was able to be just fine. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I'd love to learn more about why there's that. They were more concerned. Either way, just beautifully beautifully shot. Uh, you know, they they get into the cockpit and Bo-Katan interrogates the captain, and uh, she finally gets. He, you know, he doesn't really say as much, but uh, she she learns that Moff Gideon does indeed have the dark saber, uh, which means you know Bo Katan is going to be going after Moff the, Gideon. Although it's not named this episode, as I recall, right? We know what he's refer she's referring to. No, no, I no. Remember. I thought I think she did say did dark I, saber. Yeah, I. I oh, think maybe she did I must. Say early, well, at least okay. in the cargo hold, she said she's she's she said that her goal. Her real goal basically was not the whole reason they were here was not just for the supplies. It was. To, so they could re-get, to get the Darksaber again and retake the throne of Mandalore. Ah, okay. I'm, yeah. I must have missed that. Um, and I think she says it straight to the captain's face when she's got that knife right to his throat before have, he yeah. basically shocks himself to death. Yeah, basically like a, 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 a electric version of a cyanide pill. That was kind of creepy. Did you see the, 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 the animated effect where it's like the skull too? I mean, just Man. so cool. Yeah, those suicide shockers are... Yeah. Not where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. shockingly efficient yeah but uh but no like they and then it looked like you know he they they managed to 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 pull the ship up before it crashed into the water and that was also cool and everything it, it was beautifully skimmed the surface oh, beautiful shot and again the the way they brought the weight of that ship in because obviously yeah. it's still an animated thing there's mm-hmm. as much as i would like it to be real it's not but it just they nailed every aspect of it they really did yeah they really, really did, and then that's where you know we, we talked about this earlier. But you get the, you get the official reveal about Ahsoka Tano, which was just oh, I loved, I loved, loved, loved seeing that. Yeah. 
and uh and you know he, she offers hey you can always rejoin me later and and i actually liked at this point where she's she starts to have some respect for him because you know she genuinely says this is a way this yeah. is the way as as a you know as they're parting after she mocked him earlier so clearly like you know she's she's kind of respecting him a bit more even if she doesn't fully agree with his beliefs yeah and and you know i just i just love seeing i just thought the best thing about this was katie sackoff just totally totally pulling up bo-katan and naturally she did for animation but to take this character and put it directly into live action and just own the character was just so fun to see mm-hmm. it she played bo-katan so perfectly yeah like it yeah i know i keep saying it but it it, it felt just like bo-katan you know and it makes sense because you know she was bo-katan in live in the in the animated series and now she gets to play her in live action but this was everything i think we could have wanted and it was a perfect recreation of the character in live action form yeah and so uh and I, <sighs> I hope we get to see a lot more of her i i, I, am, I am i am almost positive we will see her again before i think we're going to see her fight gideon oh, wouldn't that sure. be fun for sure yeah and i think it'll be this season it could be next season yeah i think it'll be this season i i wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being the final episode of this season to jump off into third season yeah yep 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 i don't know it's uh it's so great rip for ratings yeah tom you want to start us off I, I am going to start us off. I'm giving this episode a 9.5. I've said enough. I, I'm, I could almost give this a 10. I had one very, 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 very minor issue that bothered me. And sadly, it bothers me every time I see it, but I can blow it off. William, I know you appreciate music. Mm-hmm. I love the music in this episode. But when they got to the fishing village... The music that I heard. Okay. I, I, I've been to Epcot Center a few times. I swear to God that music came right out of Epcot Center in Disney World. There was something about it that I'm huh. like, oh my God, that's Epcot Center. And then I realized, no, this is Star Wars. It's supposed to be Star Wars. And I cannot get that out of my head for the three times I've watched the episode. Interesting. I know. It's it's so bizarre. There was, oh, there was something I'm going to let this one go, but there was something else about it that, that kind of got me, but all in all, both of those can be pushed to the side because this was an outstanding episode. What made it perfect was Katie Sackhoff. So I'm giving this a 9.5. And you know what? Since the child was not able to get a pet from the frog people, these 9.5 womp rats are now his pet going into the next chapter. So the Mandalorian is going to have to basically figure out how he's going to deal with not only a ship that's kind of, you know, maybe there could be a, a couple extra creatures in there by way of the Mon Calamari who fixed it, but also nine womp rats to go along with it. Cool. Steven. Yeah. Oh, you would put me on the spot as if I didn't expect this. Um, <laughs> I think I will give this, I'm going to give it an, I think an eight and a half out of 10. I really enjoyed the episode, but I, I didn't enjoy it as much, I think, as the first episode. Mm. Um, and I think 
we didn't really talk about this at length, um, and I think it's more of a personal thing. Some of the writing felt a little bit stilted to me, um, a little more cliche-y, and like the, I was going to say the, I've altered the deal, pray I don't alter it again. Not, not That was not the line, but it was effectively the line. That's what it was. Um, Sorry, I guess I'll play yeah. it out. I figured it. Go ahead. But it was one of those, like, it, I thought it worked, but it was a little on the more cheesy side, which is fine. Um, I still really enjoyed the episode. I loved seeing Bo-Katan kind of brought into live action, and I loved seeing the Gazanti freighter, especially in that entire sequence. I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I really enjoyed, actually, and we didn't talk about is, oh, we, we talked about it in specifics, but, uh, like, we got that big Mandalorian fight in uh, Chapter 3, I believe, which was also really cool. But I, this one felt so much more connected to me. And I think it's mm-hmm. probably because we were we had a fewer number of Mandalorians to focus on. And we got to kind of focus more on the fight choreography and kind of what was going on. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a really, really good job with that. And it made the episode really enjoyable. Um, and, you know, look, uh, a Gazanti freighter takes a lot of work to uh, pilot and, you know, get done. We saw, of course, some Imperial troops there. But... There are actually a bunch of womp rats that are, you know, scurry around the holds and you know make sure everything's working as expected. So many, many womp rat lives were lost today. It's very sad. <laughs> oh man, poor, poor womp rats. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I, I, you know, you guys have said so much already. This this episode was was amazing. Like it was the perfect introduction of Bo-Katan. It was the perfect recreation of a clone wars and rebels character in live action form. And I, I, I'm very excited to see what they do with Ahsoka. I know mm-hmm. we, it, she's been rumored for a long time. sounds like Rosario Dawson will be playing her in Ahsoka and Ashley Eckstein is not involved, which makes me a little worried. Unlike, but unlike, you know, um, yeah. Katie Sackoff playing Bo-Katan. Um, but I love Ahsoka. I love Bo-Katan. Uh, and it, it's really exciting. We're getting more and more into the lore. And I think this is the way, this is the way to, to do a, a Mandalorian episode, right? Where it's, it's a, um, it's still a, you know, a, a monster of the week type episode or, or mission of the week type episode, but it felt so much more connected and so much more part of the, the larger saga. And, you know, if you don't know Bo-Katan, that's fine. She's just another, she's another Mandalorian. And I, I was actually talking with, um, uh, 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 my fiance's sister-in-law and she was she was saying how she hasn't watched the Clone Wars and she was she really liked Bo-Katan but she was saying like oh I don't know if I trust her you know uh, but she's, she really enjoyed the episode and I think this is the way you do it right and it's a way that anyone can enjoy and it doesn't feel like hey you know over here there's this reference you know um, and it's not necessarily it's another step on the journey but it feels like a big step even though it in some ways was a mission of the week. So I think it was very well done, beautifully shot. We didn't talk about this, but the, the scene where the, 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 uh, the Bo-Katan and, and her uh, clan Kree's Mandalorians were leaving the, the fishing ship mm-hmm. at sunset, right? The, the sun is setting over the water and they like fly up with their jetpacks, and the ship explodes below them. Beautifully shot. That's probably my favorite shot of yeah. the entire episode. And, I'm I'm so excited, and you know, of course, most importantly, we got a, a, a confirmation that Ahsoka is coming up. So, overall, fantastic episode, great action, great. Uh, uh, I, I loved everything about it. Really, I really did. So, 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it nine and a half Womper Outs out of ten. I can't quite give it the ten, but like I it was amazing. And those nine and a half Womper Outs, well, you know, we were wondering what the Quarren feed the Mama Core in the holding <laughs> tank. Nine and a half Womper Outs. They didn't get the breakfast though. The nine and a half Womper Outs were were saved. That's why you know they left port late. The Mama mm-hmm. Core was hungry. It's why the child uh, got to be a, a snack. <clears throat> but yeah, nine and a half Womper Outs. Out of ten. Wow, this was a this was a fun episode. To God, this is so fun to talk so about. So much, so oh, yeah. much happened. Yeah. Uh, and I have a feeling it's only gonna get. Uh, I was gonna say not just better, but more complicated. It might be yeah. the word. Yeah. yeah. In all the best ways. Yeah, it's gonna be this next episode's gonna be enjoyable. Whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 don't know. I I, I like how the Mandalorian doesn't give us. They don't reveal the directors or the episode names or the synopsis until you watch it. Yeah. I really like that. So we don't really know what's coming up next, but we do know that it's chapter 12 and we're just uh, just one week away until we get to find out what happens next. I can't. I can't wait. Neither can I. I cannot wait. With that, we like thank you all for listening and we'll be back next week with our review of The Mandalorian chapter 12 thank you for listening to the ion cannon podcast your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far far away for over a decade ion cannon has covered every corner of the saga from the films and animated series like the clone wars and rebels to books comics games and more if you like what you hear please rate us in your favorite podcast client your review will help this show grow within the star wars community we can be found at our website ioncannoncast.com and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.